So, boys, give us the verdict. Do you think cricket's ever, even with the new formats, do you think it's ever going to take off in the United States? No. No. Welcome back to Mature and Shadow, episode 13, bringing you a variety of cross-Atlantic viewpoints from the UK and US about this weird and wonderful world that we live in. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and follow us on Instagram at Mature and Cheddar. As usual, we appreciate all feedback, so please leave comments where possible. We have the full team here today, Lewis, Todd, Hemel, and myself, Ryan, and we'll be carrying on our conversations about UK versus US sports, part two. As, as a UK person... Um, and focusing on like UK sports, you got like football, rugby are quite big, and then cricket. Cricket's had a, a revival over the last couple of years with this, uh, a new format of twenty twenty being brought in, which I quite like. I'm not like an old school cricket connoisseur of you know stuck to the test match stuff, and this will mean nothing to the American listeners. But essentially, cricket is just a better version of baseball. I'm just going to put that out there and say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and looking at American sport, I find basketball the most interesting. It's most free flowing, and like uh, the game just continually goes. NFL, okay, fair enough, bit of strategy involved. But I think cricket is one of those sports which is reinventing itself. You know, recently it's came up with a new format, the hundred. Um, I actually think it's quite cool. I really like cricket, and think it's not as difficult as people make out to explain. Because Ryan, you were saying earlier that you've taken time to learn the games out in America or the sports there. I think cricket is top notch, to be honest. But bat me down, guys, if you think. I, mean, I, I used to play cricket a lot back in my, my youth. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the cricket rules are, they're not super complicated. I think overall it's just a strange game. So if you try to explain cricket to someone who has no knowledge of what it is at all, it's, it's just really hard. And cricket's not big in America at all, right? So trying to explain it's so in America is is tough. But I, I agree that cricket is some some formats of the game are extremely boring. For Test cricket, for example, is a cricket game which is played over the course of five days. <laughs> I mean, who can who can watch a game for five days? I've got a. I've got the explanation, how to explain cricket to a foreigner. This is a poem or a rhyme I heard when I was very young and it stuck with me. Um, <laughs> I've just, just got it up. Uh, What's this poem we, we, we coming here. out? <laughs> Listeners <laughs> in for a treat. Right, here we go, mute, mute the mic. Yeah, listen close because the accent might not do this justice. So, cricket explained to a foreigner. You have two sides, one out in the field and one in. Each man that's in the side that's in the field goes out, and when he's out comes in, and the next man goes in until he's out. When a man goes out to go in, the men who are out try to get him out, and when he's out, he goes in, and the next man goes in and goes out and goes in. When they're all out, the side that come, the side that's out comes in, and the side that's been in goes out and tries to get those coming in out. Sometimes there are men still in and not out. There are men called umpires who stay out all the time, and they decide when the men who are in or out. Depending on the weather and the light, the umpires can also send everybody in, no matter whether they like it in or out. When both sides have been in, all the men are out, including those who are not out, then the game is finished. 
Yeah, pretty, pretty simple, right? That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, I got every single word of that. I confused myself during it too, to be honest. So are we doing okie cokey or what? <laughs> nah, you know what? I, I agree with you. I think the 2020 game is brilliant. Like, I watched, um, oh my, I watched that World, World Cup. What are they playing in World Cup? It's 100, isn't it? Is it 100? Uh, ODIs, one day international. So, yeah, it's 50 overs each team. Oh, I don't know. I didn't watch it all, but I watched the end. Amazing. Amazing entity. Do you want to give a crack at a quick like, run over for someone who's like not familiar with it, Lewis? Me? Yeah. Are, you having, are you having a laugh? I don't know what's going off still. <laughs> like, isn't, isn't Ryan like the one who used to watch Indian Premier League? Uh, yeah. One of the top five profitable, most profitable leagues in the world, I think. So, uh, oh. Ryan, over to you. I think you got to give a... All right, I'll be the dummy because I'm a yeah, bit... I'll be the dummy and I'll ask you a bit of a stupid question. So, um, right, Ryan. Uh, well, well, you know, I would, you know, how do I win in cricket? So you want to score more runs than the other team? What's a run? So a run is when you hit the ball and then you run to the other end of a pitch. And that's counted as one run. Okay. And if you if you can hit the ball far enough, then you don't have to run. It will go over this thing called the boundary, and you can just get four runs if it goes over the boundary after bouncing. But if it goes over the boundary line without bouncing, you'll get six runs. Oh, so that's kind of like a home run with a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Oh, great. I'd rather hit loads of those home runs so I don't have to run. So when I run... How many people are running? Do I run to first base or second base? What's, what's going on there? So there'll be two of you on the pitch and you just run to the other end and the guy who's at the end that you're running to runs to your end. So you just swap, just run past each other. So I'm there with my... Oh, so there's two of us who are batting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Right, so we've got, got my mate on pitch, I'm batting. What, you know, how can the how can the person throw the ball? What's he called? He's called the bowler. Right, and, and then, how can he get me out? So he can... So when you're batting behind you, there'll be some wooden stumps. So if you let the ball through, it goes past you and they hit the stumps, then you you have to leave. Or if you hit the ball in the air and someone catches it without it bouncing, uh, you have to leave. And then there's there's a few other like smaller ways to get out, but those are the main ways. And what's the referee called? He's called the umpire, and there's two of them on the pitch as well. Fantastic. I feel we've covered everything there. I understand cricket. Get out and play it, folks. How many people on each team? Eleven. In total or on the pitch? Uh, eleven on each team. On the, on the pitch at any time, there'll be eleven people on the field, and then two people bound, so thirteen. Okay, great. I think we've got everything there. Right, so we've got to run through. Now we've got to explain why it's exciting. Because test day, as I understand it, down at Lords, you didn't go and watch the cricket. You went and got drunk, right? Oh yeah. So, so how's that changing, Todd? Because you said it's you said it's changing, so that people actually go and watch the sport basically rather than just get drunk. 
Yeah, so test cricket, as Ryan said, it can last up to five days, and it's one team comes in and then goes out, and the next one's in and out. Whereas with what's called 2020, um, whenever a bowler's bowling, um, six balls accounts as like one over. So you've got 20 overs, so 120 balls to face as a team, and you're trying to get the highest score. So it's, it's basically like a quick-fire format of the game. And so even my mum, she sit down, you know, you watch these big shots and guys sprinting really hard to get between the wickets to score runs and get their tally up as high as possible. Um, and it's pay, played a lot faster, um, which just means like it's a lot more exciting because every single... So if you equate it to baseball, where like every pitcher trying to hit the ball, in cricket, every single ball... They are swinging out at mad to you know score six runs, um, or they're sprinting as hard as they can when really they maybe shouldn't be, you know, against the fielders trying to like get them run out. So it's it's just a lot more exciting, um, because it it puts the pressure on getting a high score in a short amount of time. Right. Okay. That's a yeah. And, and now they they bought in this new form that I was talking about called the hundred. Which is just a little bit shorter than the the twenty over game, so it, it should theoretically be even more exciting. And funny enough, to pick the players for the teams, they actually did a draft, like they like they do in America for the NFL and basketball. They they drafted cricket players from all over the world, so they have first round draft for the best players, second round draft, and so on. So, is that people like I've heard of people like um. Ben Stokes is he in that draft? Yeah, yeah, he was. I think he was one of the the top picks of the draft. Actually, right now he's one of the best players in the world. So, how does an American get into cricket? <laughs> uh, actually, interesting. I've I've played cricket it, here once in America. Uh, were you pretty good? Because you just because you're British. Uh, so I think it's. It's kind of there's a few English, and also people from like India, and there's there's no Americans that that play here. But they just have like a kind of community to like a community club that they play with, and we we went and played. But the problem is that the facilities are are so bad because they they don't really there's not any money invested into the facilities for cricket, so it's not as enjoyable. Like pitches to play on is super bad. They like don't cut the grass very well and all this. Could you not play in a basketball field? Uh, not a basketball <laughs> That was silly. A basketball field. Uh, you're not playing a, a baseball field and just put some twigs in there. <laughs> twigs. <laughs> uh, I mean, you need like pretty much like a, a perfect circular pitch and the part that you like run on and you bowl the ball on is like special material. It's almost like a cork kind of material that has to be well kept, has to have a groundskeeper every day. So because of that, you can't really play on the baseball field unless it had those characteristics. So boys, give us the verdict. Do you think cricket's ever, even with the new formats, do you think it's ever going to take off in the United States? No. No. What's stopping it, in my opinion, is the fact that people don't really understand how it's played or don't understand the rules. Um, Dan, you've already got so many, you know, so many sports in the US that 
you know, aren't as popular in the rest of the world. You know, look at baseball, uh, basketball to a certain extent, and American football. Um, they're all very US-focused sports, and um, there's a lot of competition for attention. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a sports fan, you're, you're basically getting thrown sports, and especially, I'm, I'm sure... You guys in the in the US when when you put on the TV channel when you put put the TV on, there's like a forty fifty different channels dedicated to sports. And uh, here we just have like ten. So, so I think once 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 people have an understanding of how cricket works, especially the twenty twenty game, I think they they will get quite um, sucked into it. And I think it's a, like like I said, it's fast paced, very active game, and I think people will like that. Right, that's a good point. But quick question then for Todd and Hamill, and then I'll throw the same question to Ryan. Uh, American there coming over, they're like, right, big sports fan. I want to check out some new sports in England. Where should I go? Money's not a problem. Um, and just pretend you can get the tickets. What? Where should I go? You know, I've got to pick three top ticket games. Where shall they go? Time of year is not a problem as well. What are the sporting events in England that like you've got to go and check out? Cricket at Lords. If we're on the top of cricket, I think cricket at Lords is probably a good shout because home of cricket, essentially. I would say. So I'd say uh, cricket at Lords. A 2020 game at Lords. I'd say an old firm derby up in Scotland. I think it's oh, it, nice fun. <laughs> it, it's a football derby um, or a soccer derby for the Americans, um, but it, it's steeped in like a, a rivalry which is like dri- driven by, well, quite frankly, sectarianism. It's like two different sides of um, Christianity, Protestant and Catholic. So it's just fueled differently, um, and even today, like it, it just still like. If you're watching it on TV, your blood would just start boiling for no reason at all. Um, even the commentators biasedly just get into it and start slating the other team. Um, so it, it's a, it would be some experience for a complete neutral. I'd probably be like the most extreme football derby in the UK, I think. Around the world, you'll have like other ones in Turkey and like down in Brazil and Argentina where the fans are mental as well. Um, but I think in the UK, you'd, you'd want to go to the old firm derby. For an experience and a half. Yeah, I agree. Definitely go to one of these these derbies. Cricket, like, wouldn't recommend. Even though I used to play cricket. Uh, rugby. Cricket was a good day out. Is it a good day out? I've never been to a like, rugby game. I used to play a bit back in the day. But... I think it's kind of like just going to... It's probably... Uh, an American fan who goes to NFL every week would probably say going to Twickenham's like a... Uh, a lesser version of a big NFL day because from what I've seen, the NFL supporters like will go in the parking lot, they'll have food and drink, then they'll go into the stadium, maybe back out and then again. NFL or like, Twickenham's just a great day of like travelling to the stadium, having a few beers, getting a you know a, a burger or a, a samosa from like the different stands, the food stalls along the walk. Then you're in the stadium mixed with other fans, you know, a few drinks in there, singing some songs. You know, we could be sitting beside an opposition fan, so giving them a bit of stick and talking about the game. And then afterwards, like, you leave and meander on to, like, a pub down the road and stuff. So it's it's a really nice, friendly atmosphere of a day. Um, whereas the football, like, it's quite 
strict and segregated and you know, like no alcohol in the terraces and stuff like that. So it's a wee bit more of a different environment. Do you know what you can do as a American sports fan coming to coming to London? Well, in the last two years, do you know what you can do now? What you can watch? What I mean, American fan, like in terms of they want to watch their home sports. Really? So just yeah, if American comes over to London, they can just watch they can just watch the NFL in London now, can't they? Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, yeah. And they've got a pitch rolls on and off in the stadium to let the NFL guys play. It's quite cool. Yeah, the, this year the NFL they're holding two games at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, two games at Wembley. And I think wow. that was an increase from last year. Last year they only held two games in London, and next year they might even be planning to hold more. So they're trying to NFL's trying to get a, a bigger presence in London. Oh, that's weird. I don't know how it works at, at Wembley. It, I don't know if it's a roll-on, roll-off pitch as well. Because it must destroy the the grass. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it just it's like when the whole concerts at Wembley, they can only do it in a certain time of year, in around like May, end of May, June time after the football season. And the NFL is the same. They have to plan it whenever there's no international games for England, and it's well before any cup finals. So I think the first cup final of the year is of the season is in around February time, the League Cup final. So they've got to hold it and when we're in a certain time where it gives them like four weeks to repair the pitch because they just been like you NFL guys just maul the pitch to death it is it's like worse than a rugby game being played on it it's just destroyed yeah because all, all the equipment they're wearing even just because yeah. they're wearing helmets every time their head smashes into the floor it's going to carve out a huge piece of grass it's like a moon crater I thought it was these NFL teams when they travel the amount of work it takes to transport everything. So if you think about it, they all have like like 53 players on their roster. What? That's just the, the players. And then all the coaching staff, the, like the physios, the doctors, and all the equipment. All right. Hold on a minute, mate. 53 players. So I know you've got your like, uh, attackers, defenders, and like, special teams. But I was reading on the news the other day about classrooms going above the size of 30 in the UK. And I remember whenever my first class I was in had 30 kids. And they're talking about teachers struggling to remember 30 kids' names, you know, how it impacts your education. How does a coach remember 53 players' names? He's just going to sound like, who, who is this guy? I have not seen you in weeks. <laughs> I don't know. Well, hopefully he'll remember. <laughs> it's, I guess that's part of his job, isn't it, to remember? Yeah. 53 players? Wow. That is insane. And, and they have to bring all the equipment oh, as well. Yeah. yeah. That's like moving a little time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Imagine yeah. The, the, the cost of having to transport it all to London. Lewis, do you know anything similar with the F1? Because I know you've been to one or two Grand Prix, and I've only seen it like on TV, but they've got the, like, the big motorhomes and everything for like, yeah. F1 teams. Is that kind of like moving a little town as well? Oh, oh, yeah, way more, I'd say, because you've got... Uh, well, okay. If you wanna, if you want an example, they've got the Mexican GP this weekend, and then in one week, one week after that, they're gonna go to Austin. Longest, long enough though, um, and it's counted as a flyaway because most of the F1 teams are based in England. Um, two of them based in, uh, well, two of them based in Italy, and then one of them based in Switzerland. So. We've got two F1 cars, each team. That's 20 cars. 
each race team is then made up of, I'd say, around, let's just say, 100 people, minimum, uh, that have got to, so we've got to pack all, all the stuff, including the cars. You've got drivers, you've got their physios, you've got their trainers, you've got the event staff. Uh, so F1 takes around, it's Marshall, uh, not at Marshalls, it's stewards, it's organizers, event organizers, it's doctors, it's got it's got two, three medical cars that he takes around. So lo- logistically, this is a massive challenge. And F1 owns at least one jumbo jet, which all of that freight is taken in. And then the, the drivers and stuff will uh, get a chartered plane if they want, or they'll just go on an easy, you know, there's even cases where they've gone on easy jets, you know, just to get there and back quick, quickly and cheaply. Um, so yeah, getting all that across is just it's, there's a logistical nightmare, and um, yeah, like I said, F one itself owns a jumbo jet to get that around during the what we call home races, which is the European season. Uh, they'll have these motorhomes. They drive around. Uh, they're just big lorries essentially, big trucks, big rigs that just drive around the cars. Maybe each team will have two or them but drive around the cars and the. The hospitality unit, which which are just incredible. They they're like flat pack IKEA, but just on steroids that just pop out into like their own like structure that's gonna look amazing and you can host um host people. So uh yeah, I think following that circuit, it's a good they call it, you know, half the time they call it a circus because you're following around all these people that are just popping up in one place and then take it down and pop it from another. But definitely one of my, it seems like a really weird and boring name, but I'd love to like follow them around um, one of these back-to-back flyaway races because the guys, they have to, you know, they'll be packing up mid-race basically uh, so that they can get ready and be there because they've got to be there and ready to go on the Wednesday of the next weekend. So that's, that's less than three days to pack, you know, Get everything down, travel wherever you're traveling to, then get it all back up. <laughs> Could talk about that for which, ages, though. Yeah. Which is kind of insane, you know, from a, if you think about a sporting point of view, say, tech football in the UK, you've got your home stadium, and really the furthest you'll travel, I think in the UK, is like Plymouth to Newcastle um, yeah. in England, which is what, like 500 miles or something by road. So mm. you do that journey, whether you're a fan or a club, but then you automatically, after the, the game, which is on one day, you know, last for a couple, like, couple of hours you travel straight back home within the day and you know that you done f1 you know travels around the world um and your quickest turnaround is as you were saying you know race on a sunday you got to be at the new location by wednesday so you got a three-day time to turn around and essentially pick up your little town and move it somewhere else and i think in the u.s sports run the play series is it every time they go away because you're talking thousands of miles now if you're playing coast to coast in the US but I think they split it in some way but they'll still play a couple of games you know if um, let's say the Boston Red Sox went down to Miami they'd play three games in a row or have I got that totally wrong I mean for for baseball that's definitely the case right they just play day after day but uh, NFL and basketball I think they they might play multiple games but for NFL it's it's just one One game game and then then back to the home base Right. I mean, definitely credit due to these people who organise everything. You never hear about 
like an F1. Do you ever hear about a team just like forgetting something and they're just unable to <laughs> function? Properly? You never hear about this, right? No. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing in motorsport. You know, you gotta, you gotta survive. It doesn't just mean win on the racetrack. It means win in every department. Like you know, if you if someone breaks a front wing or breaks a structure, there's a, there's been a crash with um, it's just been a crash in one of the sessions. Those parts have got to be fixed. The racing going to be held up. It's not going to say, oh, well, we'll wait for him to, you know, get his parts here and, you know, then we'll start the race. It's like, nah, if you miss the race, you miss the race. Un- unlucky, mate. So, yeah, definitely good shout there, Ryan, to give those unsung heroes a big clap because they give up a big portion of their life. It's interesting you talked about the Plymouth to Newcastle, Todd. So for anyone who doesn't know in, in the the US, uh, that's that's like the very nor- north of England to the very southern western tip of England. And uh, I know that there's football players who who often had the, the Plymouth calf or the, <laughs> uh, the, the Plymouth hamstring. Just They go to their like manager and go, oh, I'm a bit tight. Um, oh, I think I've done my, done my leg and it's because they've got to go down to Plymouth. There's no easy way to get there. There's no, there's no short you can't really get a plane or anything even if your money wasn't an object you've got to go by coach that's like the quickest way and it's like you know you could get to Bristol and then it's still a five hour drive so people will literally say oh I can't do this one because they've got a game on Tuesday or the game the next week and they just want to you know that's a big game big derby game or something and uh, yeah they want to do that one so uh, yeah it's funny you said said that because you won't get that in F1 or you, you won't get that in many other sports even in the US sports where they go they look at the next race and go <laughs> might miss this one because it's, it's Mexico I don't really want to go <laughs> I want to be there for the USA GP Crazy. I, I'll take a this is like a bit of a tangent, but it's an interesting point where it's like in in these sports which we all follow and like are excited by when they come on TV, what is the equalizer between us and them? Because like you were saying about your friend in the mark, you know, he thought this was going to be a slow speed corner and the the F one car just went straight through it, you know, and he totally missed it. You know whenever yeah. we're going to Plymouth, whether you're Ronaldo or like Joe Bloggs, you still gotta take that five hour coach from the nearest airport type thing like mm-hmm. you are sitting on a coach or on a train um whereas like when it comes to professional sports there's not too many times a person can experience really what a prof- professional sports person's doing like the speed they move at the impact they're hitting with the physicality in that game you know it's it's kind of hard to transfer to the normal person to appreciate what they do but the unsung heroes you know who set up the the infrastructure who um you know the kit man you know, the canteen ladies, these are people within sports clubs that, you know, are critical to the players performing, who we actually like, could relate to and, and could be. Um, it's kind of a weird one, but I don't think about it too often. You just made me dead. This has been Mature and Shadow with episode 13. Hope you sports fans and non-sports fans have enjoyed. Again, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube and Instagram. All feedback is welcome. See you guys next week. Bye.